Welcome to The Tea, a weekly podcast where you'll hear from two teachers talking about teaching, trauma, and spilling the tea. I'm Addison. And I'm Lauren. And we're your hosts. Last week, we talked about adjusting our physical classroom space to be more trauma responsive. Here were our, key, our four key points to do this. First, create a sense of belonging. Second, accommodate needs through literal classroom setup from desk configuration to color schemes, Third, provide oxytocin opportunities. Fourth, have a space for students to calm down. Now it's time for our favorite part of the week, tea spill time. So my tea spill of the day is very um, fitting since it happened today. Um, Today, at the very end of the day, I asked a student to come join us for our math lesson. And they were like, oh, no, 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 please. I'd rather not go to the lesson. I just would want to go on Prodigy, something I didn't know much about until the end of the day where I was talking to some other teachers who explained what it was. I was like, absolutely not. You will come join our lesson. Um, You can sit at your seat. You can come to the carpet. You can sit. You could choose an alternative seat, but you will be part of this lesson or whatever. So he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, I'll be right there. And he's, like, crouched down on his, like, desk, like, just trying to sneak on the computer. So it's, like, kind of close. So he knows what's going on. But I don't, like, you know, as if I don't know what's going on. (laughs) And I'm, like, okay, if I look on that computer history and I see that you're still – if you are on Prodigy, then I will be having a conversation with your mother. (laughs) So I do the lesson. Whenever he closes it, I walk over afterwards to do exactly what I said check his history and he's like no 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 fighting me all the way but like half kidding like he's a super silly kid so he's like laughing while he's like no 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 there's no need to check the history I was like there sure is so as soon as I open the computer I see that he was checking sites to delete them from his history a skill that I obviously had not taught him, nor do any of my other second graders know how to do. So I really just, I was at a loss at how he learned. So I asked him, and upon asking, he's like, I learned from someone in Mr. Wayne's class. Oh, God. And I was like, okay, I need a name. He would not give up that name for nothing in the world. And then he sees me on my phone, obviously texting (laughs) Mr. Wayne. And then he's like, what you need to tell him about business for (laughs) Because you just now made it her business because you said it was one of her students. So we both have to get to the bottom of this. We both communicate all the time. So then he's just like, you know, beside himself. So then it just turns into this whole confessional of like, you know, I'm looking at history, these other sites that he's been on that he knows he's not allowed to be on. We've talked about it as a class. We've set the expectation. So he's like, well, I was on it, but so was so-and-so. And then it just turned into this domino effect of when I would approach other student and look at their history, certainly. So there was a site. So then that person would lead me to another person. So it was this whole domino effect and all this disappointment my face just like as it went on and on and on I was like you know what clearly we're all done with computers for a while we all need to revisit the expectations for technology and what sites we're allowed to be on and what that looks like and how can we be safe on the internet because it just got to another level but again just so (laughs) classic because one of course it's my children that are doing this to your class like if if there was ever a question of whose kids it would be mm -hmm, it would be mine and also, like, the the effect of one kid, it's a spiral. It's like a oh, snowball yes. getting a bigger snowball. and bigger. And the stories. It was like, I was like, what led you to get on the site that we explicitly talked about sites like YouTube yep. and Comac? Yep. Like, what led you to get on this site? And it was in such sneaky ways because I noticed on the timestamps that it was times where I was running small groups. So it was oh. obviously times where I wasn't, like, 
up and monitoring to, them. Yeah. And so they knew, and it would be during times where they were sitting in a place where I wasn't directly, like I couldn't see their, their computer directly. So they knew wow. that it was something they weren't supposed to do. Wow. They're like, well, I saw this one person, and then I asked them, like, oh, how'd you get on? Oh and then they God. taught me how to get on. And it was like all of these stories would change. It was just a hot mess. Oh. I just am at a loss. My God. But I'm yeah, so sorry. That's Friday. It's, I'll just take the blame for that. No, one. no, I'll no. Just take the blame. <laughs> it's my kids. It always goes back to them. And speaking of my children, oh. um, I would say, yeah, so this week was Valentine's Day. And as a classroom teacher of fifth graders, I'm over it. I'm so over Valentine's Day. I'm over the drama. I'm I'm over the gifts, the cards. I mean, the amount of the no- roses, the roses, <laughs> the amount of notes that I have intercepted this week from children. Wow. Like, oh my god, the one that said like, "You are like the moon; you light up the stars." <laughs> I'm like, you have got to be kidding me! Oh my I god! Yesterday, I the walked drama. by kids who are supposed to be doing math, and they are having a full blown discussion about how one boy in our class, you know who it is, has yes, been rejected three times by three different Valentines, and he's heartbroken because he just needs a Valentine. And so, literally, but it was just nonstop. So I'm thinking yesterday was the the end all be all. Okay, it right, was it Valentine's all, Day. We did the cards. Everyone brought things. Oh my God, the things they brought for each other were so uh, just aggressive in the extra in the way that they were extra. Like like you do not need to bring multiple stuffed teddy bears for one ten year old. The wow. whole thing is just so ridiculous. And then this morning, I'm feeling like a million bucks because I'm like, oh, Valentine's Day is over. All the drama is going to be done. No, 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 no. They all walk in. The multiple children have roses in their hands that their Valentines have given them because now not only are they Valentines just for the day, as they assured me yesterday, but now they're they're dating. They're full on oh, dating. Oh wow! So, so these are now. now relationships. And in case anyone out there wants to know what a fifth grade relationship is, let me just break it down for you. It means <laughs> that when we do brain breaks in class, let's say yoga, for example, maybe it's a stretching of sorts, those students in the quote-unquote relationship rush to stand next to each other, not speak, not look at each other, and do the brain break sort of simultaneously without ever making any physical contact slash eye contact slash talking at all. So really what? just a just lot of romance. Present. Yeah. And then like the alert. Oh, my God. Can you believe she's standing by him? Oh, oh my so God. I can't believe that they're next oh to each other. Gosh. I mean, it was like a scene from a bad middle school play, like dance gone oh, wrong. People are where they're all on the, lined up <laughs> along the bookshelves just standing. Oh, they're so awkward. I I I'm I'm good on Valentine's Day. I'm good on that. That's my tea because oh, I yeah. just the level. But honestly, the tea I got from them yesterday of like, oh my god, you didn't know that this kid and this kid have been dating for months. I can't imagine. You didn't know and that the, the reason he had to too, write probably. that note was because she's been mad at him since Thanksgiving. Oh, I mean, what? literally, I like, oh, I I should have recorded it. Dang, we should have had them on here. <laughs> <laughs> they should have spilled the tea for They could have spilled their own tea. Oh, my God. The level you that imagine I... imagine if you gave them a mic? Oh. That would be another level. They would, they would go for it, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they told me everything. The thing that was so crazy, and I don't know if this is like, if it's our relationship, if it's we're too close, but it, the second I inquired, I knew every detail. Like, it was not as if this was embarrassing. They didn't want me to know. No, no. This was just like, oh, just another person. Now we're going to tell them our entire life history of who we like and who rejected us who we have to sit by, who we have to walk by in the line. It's un, it's unbelievable. I, I'm good. I'm good on the dating. I'm good. I'm good with the fifth grade drama. 
but that's that's my tea. That's it. This week, we are so excited to welcome our incredible school administrator, Tiffany Wilson, who was truly the impetus for our professional learning in this area. She brought trauma-responsive practices to our school site. Um, As an educator with over 20 years of service, she has served schools as a teacher, teacher of the year, instructional coach, and now our assistant principal. She is, without a doubt, the best assistant principal we've ever worked for, and so we invited her to the tea today to drop some knowledge for you all, just as she has done for us for the last three plus years. So welcome, Tiffany. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. We're so excited that you're here. This is like a celebrity moment, I'd say. (laughs) This is like we've been waiting. Um, No one else really knows the level that we're, (laughs) the stoke level that we're on. But um, okay. So we want to talk a little bit about today. Well, first of all, just kind of tell us like, tell us the origins of bringing trauma responsive practices to our site. Our first question for you is just how, how did you learn about this topic? So I kind of stumbled upon it a few years ago. I really like to watch TED Talks. Um, I know that makes me seem super cool. So I really (laughs) love to watch TED Talks and came across the TED Talk by Nadine Burke Harris that's about ACEs. Mm -hmm. And she really was talking more about it from a health perspective than an education-based perspective. But based on experiences I had had as a child that met a lot of the ACEs criteria, I became personally interested in it. Um, The first book I read about it was called Childhood Disrupted, Mm. and it really spoke more about ACEs and connected it on that biological level where there was science behind the behaviors and even the way that I today act and some of my personality things that were really built by my ACEs experiences. Mm -hmm. And so then that sort of led me to naturally connect it to my students um, and the community that I am working with. All right. Our next question for you is what was, what was the rationale behind bringing it to our school site? Like why does our school need trauma responsive practices and and how did you go about bringing it to us? I think first off that trauma responsive practices are good for all kids, Mm -hmm. regardless of the neighborhood, regardless of kids circumstances as a mom myself. Um, I feel like everything I've read is exactly how I want my children to be treated in the Mm -hmm. educational system. So, but I think in particular, when you're talking about a neighborhood such as ours, um, we have a high percentage of students that have experienced trauma Mm -hmm. or chronic stress, and that has along their developmental years on a biological level, it's altered the way that their brains are currently. And so for us to understand that as educators and for us to be able to then use tools and strategies that can help to overcome Mm -hmm. some of the barriers that come with just the development that's not where it maybe would be if Mm -hmm. you're in a middle or upper class neighborhood. Um, So I think on a scientific level, it makes sense. It's logical to do with students. And I think on a human level, it's just what's good for kids. It's what's good for any person when you interact. Definitely. And I feel like just in terms of logistics of you bringing it to us, I feel like you've done it in a variety of ways. You've done Mm -hmm. it through like our summer professional development, like book studies the staff has done, individual talks where we're analyzing student data, and then you're giving us professional development on some small piece like staff meetings. I mean, I just feel like it's run the gamut of how you've offered these this development and this learning experience to the staff, which I think is really unique. Like I don't think many schools, at least in my experience, having been at four, like this is the only one that does professional development the way that, the way that we do it. Totally. Which I think is so cool. How did you decide to do that? 
So I, when I began here, the school was amongst one of the 200 most chronically failing in California. Mm-hmm. So a team was brought in to really give the educational opportunity that had been not given mm-hmm. to a community that, you know, we had been underserved as a community right. in the educational field. And so the work in the beginning was really intense. It was about almost nothing but professional development. Well, it was okay. finding ways to have our students be successful mm-hmm. in um, different paths than what had been done for years. So it mm-hmm. was a lot of reading. It was a lot of theory. It was mm-hmm. a lot of videos. Um, Eric Jensen's work was yeah. really instrumental just from a poverty perspective mm-hmm. in trying to understand better ways that we can meet the needs of our students. So I think one of the challenges is to go fast, you have to go slow. So yeah. there's so much in the reading that you do and so much you mm-hmm. learn and trying to figure out what is that little piece that can be brought um, is the most challenging part of professional development. Yeah. But I think what I've really learned about professional development is that you have to start with a why. Mm. Until you have a personal why as an educator, you can sit in that professional development session, but you can either think of reasons not to implement it or it's just not quite important enough to set as your priority. Mm-hmm. But when you have that why and you're really connected to that why, mm-hmm. then you're going to really soak in that knowledge and take it back and implement it in the classroom. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I think too, the research piece is so crucial. Like I have not read in previous schools, I've never read research studies like we do here or like even just you keep speaking to the science. And I feel like that's because you're a little bit of a science nerd like me. <laughs> and I, I love that because that sort of solidifies the why, don't you right. think? Like that makes it easier for us to bring it back to the rationale. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some changes that you've noticed school-wide since adopting this mindset shift? Because obviously, like like you spoke to 10 years ago, there was a huge shift um, when we became a turnaround school. But what are some of the things, either short-term, long-term, that you've noticed since we've become more trauma-responsive? I think our trauma-responsive journey is also connected to restorative journey. Mm. So that kind of began first, more of our restorative practices. And so in the five years since we've implemented restorative practices, suspensions are down um, an average of 75%. Wow. One suspension to date this year. It's crazy. Yeah. And so really the biggest shift I've noticed is that students are here and connected to learning. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, what that meant was they were physically in the school building, oftentimes they were working in the office or they were Mm -hmm. working in another classroom because teachers weren't quite there yet in their mindset to feel like, let me welcome this student back in after this big moment that just happened. But now as we've gotten more trauma responsive, I think especially in our trauma responsive implementation rooms, we're seeing students who are connected inside their classroom. They're not losing instructional Mm -hmm. minutes. If they're taking a break, it's five to 10 minutes and then they're welcomed back in and their behaviors are dropping as a result because they feel connected to the school. They feel connected to their teacher and to the classroom and their academics are, it's phenomenal things are happening. Mm -hmm. Kids growing two to three years academically within the first six months of school because they know somebody loves and cares about them Mm -hmm. and that they're going to always be welcome in that classroom. Yeah. I feel like the shift too that happened in the office is probably pretty big too. Like we know as classroom teachers, when we send a student to regulate in the office, like you and our principal are going to facilitate the sort of like time in that's needed with our kids versus taking the punitive approach, which I like, you know. And even using the terms that we use, like we'll check in with you guys and you 
say like, oh, they're dysregulated right, right. now after lunch, so they're going to come in a few minutes later. So or like, really oh, nice. don't worry, he regulated with me. Yeah, He's good to go. absolutely. Like yeah. I do feel like we're all sort of moving towards this um, like common, common vocabulary, mm-hmm. but all of it stems from your from your professional development that you've been, you know, given to us, which I think is so cool. And I guess the conference too, but that was her finding as yes. well. So we'll give you, we'll give you props for that too. <laughs> All right, so now we'll shift a little bit more to um, what it looks like to work with families experiencing chronic stress. So, how did you appro- like? How do you approach still tough conversations about academics or student behaviors? Just recognizing that those families are like experiencing chronic stress, some of the stuff that our students are. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think really we don't often enough think about adults and children in the same way. Mm-hmm. So, often one of the things that may happen in schools is that we are really great with being trauma responsive to our students and with listening and connecting and building those relationships. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we forget that our families need those same things. And all of Mm -hmm. us, you know, staff needs that same thing as well. We need to feel connected. We need to feel like we have a relationship. So honestly, after nine years at the school, I can have tough conversations pretty easily Mm -hmm. because I have really deep relationships Mm -hmm. with our families. Mm -hmm. That being said, new families still come in and yeah, sometimes come in um, with a little bit of a wall up. And Mm -hmm. so those conversations are hard. I think my number one job is the same job I have for dysregulated students to give them a space Mm -hmm. and let them be heard. So um, I had one family who proved to be challenging again and again, and didn't always remember to code switch their language when they came to the school. And so I finally made an agreement with her that she was welcome to say anything she wanted as long as it was behind closed doors in my <laughs> office and it just couldn't be out in the main hallway. Yeah, but you gave her a safe space. There you go. And so she'd come in and she would get it all out. And oh my God. You know, yell and scream for that first 10 minutes or so. Sometimes it was at me and yeah. sometimes it was more generally just about something. Um, but by giving her that time to get through that emotion and to regulate, mm-hmm then we could get to a place where we can have that tough conversation in a more solutions oriented way. I I feel, I think one of the best things that you are, one of the things you're best at is validating feelings. I mean, I hear you say that all the time, but I had an angry parent (laughs) yesterday and you literally said to me, well, we just need to validate and make sure she feels heard because this is real and this is very challenging. Where in the moment I'm like, she seriously just cussed me out. (laughs) Meanwhile, Tiffany is like, well, we just need to validate Validate. it and make sure. But I think that's part of it. I think that's an important piece that people maybe don't know. Right. Absolutely. And And even in like the tough meetings where we've gone through like with families like SSTs like over months and not seeing students progress or behaviors escalate and still you're so calm and each meeting you're like validating hearing the, the family side of things and not going into it like well your child did this this and this right. and whereas a school we're done like you I've never heard you say something like that so it's just how do you do that? Like, how do you find like it in you to? Always I know. Do you think go, it's your personality? Yeah, like, is it just a piece it. of who you are? Did you learn this? Like, teach us your way. There's a quote, and I can't. I don't remember what it is, but it's something about um, too often we listen to respond, not to mm. understand. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much power in that, and yeah. that's something yeah. I really had to actively work on because I tend to want to make sure that people know that I have kind of that piece of authority and that, especially when I was looking very young to be assistant principal and those sorts of things. But I think when you can pause and you can listen to understand all of a sudden 
you can see where that other person's coming from, Mm. you know, and Mm -hmm. however they're saying it, however they're communicating, whether it's through tears or through screaming or Mm -hmm. through disengagement, because Mm -hmm. they've heard this so many times. Yeah, just not showing up. The school feels scary and they just don't want to come down anymore. So it's got to be a phone conversation or through text. But however it is, I think that when we can listen to understand rather than listen to respond, um, and usually if I have a response, that's not going to come till the next conversation. I have mm, with them. Or wow. It's going to come after school in a phone call. Hey, I've been thinking about what you were saying this morning. I just wanted to put out there, mm. like, this is how I've been processing it. Mm. And so the same way with students, right? Like yeah. They're not listening right. when they're in their emotional brain. There's no point in having that conversation because yeah. it's just going to lead to a divide between right. your relationship with the student. So the same way with families, I think that avoiding creating that divide by trying to prove you're right or to give your side of the story in the moment mm-hmm. instead just listen um and then come back to it later yeah. when everybody's feeling in a space to be more solutions yeah. oriented and you're good at setting boundaries too like with that parent like you cannot yell cuss words all day long i think way, boundaries right. are like we set boundaries for our kids i feel like you as an administrator set boundaries for parents too it's like nope you don't get to walk on campus and say things or if there's something mm-hmm. really like your job is to keep the campus safe too and so sometimes you do have to like have those. restraining orders with you know like those are realities but right. But again, you're like so calm and so just. And still with the relationship in mind, like not wanting to harm the relationship that you have with the family. So that can be really hard when it's like people are cursing at you at the top of their lungs. Especially when they're speaking like, and they're so dysregulated. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think at Time I Why is more about wanting to empower both students and families just with the tools Mm. to create change within the community and within Mm. society. And there's so many systems that are inherently set up for our families to fail. And if they're going to have a voice in that change, and if they're going to be able to advocate for themselves, our families, just like our students have to learn the code. They have to learn Mm -hmm. the way and the strategy to speak, the strategies to use, Mm -hmm. the, the words that aren't acceptable Mm, maybe when I'm mm. trying to get my message across the tone of voice that's going to make people want to argue back with me versus. So I think it takes time and we can do it easier with students who, you know, are still kind of in that process of learning, but I I do see our families come around and learn to um, just communicate in that way where they can then advocate for themselves. Yeah because the kids are going to go on to middle and high school and the systems aren't always as trauma responsive. Right. And so they need to know how to speak up for their kids Mm -hmm. and on behalf of their kids so that their education remains successful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our next question or our next sort of category of questions, because we could basically ask you questions all day day long long. is um, just sort of around the idea of supporting teachers who want to implement these practices. So um, just, I think we get a lot of questions and then also just thinking about people in the world who know that we're doing this work. Um, I think people are interested and it sort of feels like the field of social emotional learning is really moving in this direction, or I should say the field of academic, you know, of academics is. So what, from your perspective as an administrator, having done this work, having been on the, you know, front lines of really bringing it to our site, what does admin support look like to you in a trauma-responsive classroom? I think first and foremost, if you're in a leadership capacity and you have the power to spread the work of trauma-responsive, don't wait until you're an expert. Hmm. You know, I think I say all the time, I'm not sure, let me get back to you or let's, let's try to find an article about it. You don't need to know it all 
You just need to have that drive and that passion for mm -hmm. it and find mm -hmm. your first followers, you know, um, and that would be the other thing is we've watched the silly YouTube video about the first follower yeah. at the concert, but really the idea that don't wait till everyone's on board, mm. like let the work speak through itself mm -hmm. by the people who are eager to get started yeah. and let them get in there and give them the tools and spend the time with them. And when they have those questions and like be there to support, um, one of my biggest challenges is finding that time just to get into classroom yeah. and really support on the level that I'd like to, which is probably a reality for a lot of administrators. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think luckily we have practices in place like one-to-one -one, mm -hmm. um, data talks mm -hmm. where there is that opportunity to connect yeah. on some of those questions. And then just as much as possible, trying to make myself available with emails and phone yeah. calls and texts and a happy hour on Friday yeah. and mm -hmm. those sorts of things to, to continue those discussions and those ideas, mm -hmm. because really I can take theory, but as a leader, I can give that theory and give ideas, but my classroom teacher is the ones putting it to practice. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones saying, I know we said we were going to do this around working memory and it sounded great when you presented it, yeah. but I tried it with my kids and 18 of them refused to yeah. engage in the working memory game. Okay. So let's brainstorm what we can do about that mm -hmm. because this was theory that I brought to you, you know? So mm -hmm. just that really that back and forth dialogue and communication yeah. um, where everyone is learning and everyone is also an expert because yeah. they've got their own unique experiences. Yeah. Another cool thing you've done too is allowed for formal observation goals to be around trauma responsive yes. practices a little bit in the, mm -hmm. in the lens, like through the lens through of the SEL. Lens of but that's another way where we've gotten deliberate coaching. Like we've been able to have conversations about this kind of stuff in a like more structured because it's mandated by the district that we do it. So, right. it, you know, if, yeah, if that's the only time you get to sit down with your admin, that would be an opportunity like that's right. a moment and also structuring can... for us to see each other and like making that possible in any way that you could mm -hmm. also helped us and reflect on our own practices and learning from each other as well yeah through that yeah, yeah. but you didn't come see me so I'm still salty, <laughs> still salty. <laughs> our schedules still do not combine but oh my god we'll solve it, I'm so. just kidding we also like as you get further this changes from district to district but in our district you can do a project in place of a formal observation yep. as you get farther mm -hmm. in your years of teaching experience so one of our teachers on our pilot team is doing her evaluation around mm -hmm. implementing focused implementation yeah. of trauma responsive practices so that allows me to really sit down with her That's because so cool. we have those goal and objective meetings along the way that right actually just fit in with so that. cool so yeah that evaluation process definitely yeah. Yeah. And so what advice do you have or any suggestions for an educator just getting started? Like we obviously have come, we've, we've been on this path for a little while. Um, but what about someone who's listening to this today and is like, God, I really want to do it. Like, where do they begin? What, what would you say? Find your why. Hmm. Those are your cement shoes. Hmm. And as we open that box of trauma responsive practices, our students are for the first time being allowed to feel their big emotions. Mm -hmm. They're being allowed to feel safe and comfortable to be their true selves. And that leads to some big waves. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Big waves. Say that. <laughs> yep. um, it leads to some really, really, really tough days. Mm -hmm. And so yes. without those cement shoes that can bring you back to your why, that can keep you standing on those really, really hard days, you're going to abandon the work mm -hmm. because those hard days are going to be too much and it's going to be easier to go back to what's comfortable and what's familiar. And so I think that would be my first bit of advice. Yeah. Um, and then find people to talk to about it. Find, you know, at least one other 
teacher in your building, yeah. uh, administrator, whoever it might be, somebody that you can t- connect with even on social media yeah. or whatever avenue you have it, find somebody to have those conversations with, find somebody to laugh at the end of a long day mm-hmm. when you really kind of want to cry, yeah. but mm-hmm. you know, your colleague can turn it I wonder it who that would be for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's critical, you know, um, we definitely won't talk about like the conversations we have when we're like, you need to vent. You have to. Oh, absolutely. You need to sometimes go and um, share a bite to eat and and drink yeah. margaritas. Let's just <laughs> say it. Own it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that that's done as well. <laughs> yes. You know, so yeah. I think that's really critical also is try not to go it alone in mm-hmm. whatever format. Right. You can find that partnership to work through it with. It's awesome. Sadly, we've come to our last segment. So we're going to focus on working with resistance staff because we get a lot of questions about this and it's really hard for us to kind of navigate through that since we're not in the leadership role. But how do you get staff to sign on to adapting their changes or changing their mindsets when they feel like so set? I wish I was better at knowing who I had gotten information from. (laughs) In my very first year as an administrator, I believe it was at a workshop and somebody said to be unwavering in your beliefs, but flexible in your methods. Hmm. And hmm. that has stuck with me in so many different capacities in leadership. So I don't ever waver in the belief that all students deserve to be treated in a trauma responsive manner. Yeah. The reality is, is just like kids are all different and need to be differentiated for teachers are all different. They yeah. come from different, life circumstances. They come from a different depth of relationship or lack of relationship with their colleagues, with their administrators. They come from um, what worked for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their hippocampuses are full of all their files of all their lived experiences. And so really the way that we make choices, the way that we choose how to interact with people is Mm -hmm. largely based on our experiences that we've had both professionally and personally. So I think that being mindful of that when I have a resistant teacher, remembering that it's not because they don't want what's best for kids. Mm. Nobody gets into education for any reason other than because they love kids and they want to make a difference in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone stays in the education field unless they still want to make a difference in the lives of kids. Mm -hmm. They just have different lived experiences. And so part of it is just that repeated professional development. Yeah those repeated conversations, you know, um, trying to help them see student perspective, trying to let them hear and see the work that's being done in classrooms where it really is working. Yeah. Figuring out, are they that logical person who wants to hear the science and the brain development? And yeah. This is, this is the reason behind it. Like, listen, it's so logical and this is why you should do it. Or are they that person that really comes from the heart hmm. with most things? And so they need to hear, a story or an antidote of a kid that has really flourished from this or an experience Mm -hmm. they've had or a moment. Um, And then just, just that continued kind of chipping away Mm -hmm. and just helping develop that mindset shift. And I think um, it's a journey and everyone's in a different place in the journey. And if I took our staff, I could probably line up where they are on their journey, but everybody's on that journey. Everybody Mm -hmm. here is invested in kids. Everybody wants what's best for kids. Everybody loves our students and our Mm -hmm. community. And so it's just helping them see another way 
you know, mm-hmm. what is a method that works for them? And maybe there's a teacher who's never going to bring therapy into their room. Yeah. Them, I swear it's the most magic. <laughs> it is. It's it is. magic. <laughs> and that's, that's from you also. So <laughs> shout out to you. But maybe eventually they you will put a pillow in the corner of their room yeah. with a little basket of fidgets where students can have a space. Mm, sure. With a timer so that they know that students aren't just playing back there. Right. You know, yeah. Whatever it is, it's that first step. And so mm. honoring that first step and then continuing to encourage to broaden the depth of it. Totally. Amazing. What do you say to a teacher who really does not get it at all and wants to focus solely on consequences or punishment or enforcing academics through dysregulation? Have you ever had like that hard conversation where it's like, no, you can't, they can't do math right now. Like they're that dysregulated. I think, yes, I have had that hard conversation. Again, I definitely don't have it in the moment Yeah, because Mm -hmm. we get dysregulated as educators. Yep. I sure do. (laughs) So if if you're calling me and you're telling me that this student absolutely has to be Mm. held accountable right then for their math, Mm -hmm. what I'm most likely going to do is tell you I'm going to take that student with me for a little bit Yeah, and that Mm -hmm. I understand that they do need to get their math done and I'll make sure that that happens. You know, because mm-hmm. accountability is a really important piece yeah. with students, you know, mm-hmm. and that's an important piece of trauma responsive also is to know that we still need to have very clear procedures and protocols expectations. and high expectations yeah. and that students do need to be held accountable. But mm-hmm. we're doing it with love. We're doing it not necessarily right there in that moment. Right. We're feeling dysregulated. Mm-hmm. So I think um, one of my things I often go to is a, a teacher does have the right and it's in their contract that they can mm. say that a student's not welcome back in their classroom mm. for the day. Um, however, they can't disconnect them from the campus. So right. a teacher doesn't have the right to say this student has to go home. Mm. So that's my call as an administrator. So there are hard cases where students do feel sad that they can't, their teacher's not going to allow them to go back. Mm. But I'm going to honor that, and then I'm going to try to find the safest, most connected spot. It might be last year's teacher. It Mm -hmm, might be right mm -hmm. there in my office where they can work and still be connected to the school. Yeah. And then I can work to go back and try to repair that connection with the classroom and the teacher at a later point when everybody's more regulated. What does that look like, repairing that connection? Like, is it a conversation? Is it a restorative conversation where you bring the student and the teacher together? Is it, like, talking to the teacher? Yeah. Yeah. I have done restorative and I've done formal restorative okay. for like a teacher and a student. If it's been kind of a repeated, mm-hmm. you know, it's really yeah. just gotten into that cycle where it seems daily that that student's, you know, and, and it facilitates a chance for the teacher and the student to both use their voice, mm-hmm. but for there to be somebody there mediating yeah, and that's setting crucial. some rules and some boundaries. Right. Um, more often though, I would say realistically, I have that conversation with the teacher to help them hear the student's voice because mm-hmm. either the student's not quite feeling brave enough to yeah. be a part of a full conversation um, or I'm just not positive that it's going to go well if I bring everybody mm-hmm. together in the room based on what I know, but I'm at least able to pre- present the st- student's perspective on it and oftentimes I would say 85 to 90 percent of the time my at least the teachers that I work with will then reflect and be like oh okay I get it I'm going to check in with them Mm, yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's a hard job because you have to validate both the teacher's feelings and then the student. So you had to kind of play both. I know you can't be fully like solely student centered and you can't be solely teacher centered. You have, have to, to find, find the balance. balance. God, that's yeah. so I hard. I will say this in front of two teachers right here. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely um, 
students always come first. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. They should, yeah. If that means that I have to have that hard conversation or I have to, yeah. for a quick minute, have a disconnection with a teacher because I have to be very real about the impact that some of the choices they're making is having on a student, then I'm going to have that yeah. because I'm in this work to impact the lives of students and the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that as supportive of teachers along the way Absolutely. as I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I definitely share all kinds of amazing things about all of my teachers. If a family comes in with a concern and mm. again, that follow-up conversation is always, well, Miss Joyne does this and this and this and mm-hmm. this. And these are reasons that we love having her here at Oak Ridge. But I also, if I truly believe that the wrong thing is being done for a student, then I'm going to have that difficult conversation, yeah. even at the risk of breaking a relationship with the teacher in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Oh my gosh. Unfortunately, I feel like our mood has just really <laughs> I know, dwindled. Really so sad, but we've come to the end of our podcast. This yeah. is it. But seriously, thank you so much because mm-hmm. you are like a light and just the like our personal hero, I'd Truly. say, um, hands down. And you just speak so much truth. And also, you just, I really appreciate your perspective. And also, you've been doing this way longer than yeah. we have. And so, brought it to our attention. Yeah. And support us. I mean, you really way. are the reason why this podcast even exists because we went to the conference because of you. And so, oh. just all of it. It. So our thank forever. you, thank you for everything that you do. And please come back. Please. Absolutely. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this week. Tune in next time for more teaching trauma-responsive strategies and, of course, spilling the tea. And be sure to follow us on Instagram for more updates at podcasting with the tea.